Welcome to NIL Undressed. I'm Ryan Schaukner, along with the future mayor of Football USA, Rock Hill, South Carolina, the city with 37 active NFL and countless college football players, Dr. Cheney Robinson. Hello, hello. Today, you know, Cheney, we take a trip like really far down south, right? A place where not personally, but I know a lot of people where a lot of bad decisions have been made. Um, they call it the birthplace of jazz, Paris of the South, Nolens, uh, Louisiana. Right? And we're going to talk to Samantha Green, who is really doing anything but taking it easy when it comes to NIL, beach volleyball, and in the classroom. Samantha is a junior defender on the number, the nationally ranked number eight team uh, beach volleyball team in the country. Athletically, she leaves it on the sand, but still brings it in the classroom. She is, a, I mean, this is, blows my mind. She's a cell and molecular biology major, right? So well, smart. She's smart. Yeah. Um, and she's a pre and she's on the pre-med track. And she also moonlights with a minor in Spanish, right? So it's like, let's add up all the difficult things that we can, that we can do yeah. and, and let's do them, right? Uh, and so she's done that, but then she's on the Dean's list. Uh, she received the Conference USA Commissioner's Academic Medal. Um, and if, if that's not enough, Samantha was invited to attend the NIL Summit in Atlanta, where the top 300 plus ish NIL college athletes connect, collaborate, and level up. So, Samantha, man, I'm excited for this one. Welcome to NIL Undressed. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Awesome. All right, Samantha, we we start off with some rapid fire questions to kind of get us rolling. So here we go. If we're rolling the town, if we didn't want to be viewed as an outsider, how would I pronounce New Orleans? <laughs> yeah, well, Ryan said it perfectly before, Nolens, <laughs> but realistically, probably just New Orleans. A lot of people like to say New Orleans, and that's kind of when you're like, oh, maybe they're a little bit, you know, not from around here. You ain't from around here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> New Don't Orleans avoid that is really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Biggest difference, because you're from New York, biggest difference between New York and New Orleans. Yeah, definitely. I would have to say the culture. I mean, everybody talks about it, but the culture in New Orleans is so unique. Like you just go down there. Everybody loves the city. There's just a passion there. And not to say that there's not that in New York, but it's definitely more unique. There's uh, a community. Everybody's always doing things together, whether it's like Mardi Gras festivals, Jazz Fest, everything. Um, so that was definitely a big difference between New York and New Orleans. <laughs> there you go. All right. So let's talk food, right? Yes. Favorite on-campus restaurant. I mean, we everybody knows Cafe Du Monde, and that's not necessarily <laughs> where you're going to get a meal, but what's your go-to, what's the restaurant on campus to where you're going, and then what's your go-to menu item? Yeah, so it's not necessarily on campus, but we're in Uptown New Orleans, which is not too far from downtown, but they have a whole bunch of great restaurants up there. So I'd have to say Superior Seafood is like our team staple. No matter whose birthday it is, everybody's always like, can we go to Superior? And we're like, oh my gosh, this is the third time we've been there in like the past two weeks. But um, their charbroiled oysters are so good. They have some good crawfish mac and cheese and the salmon is amazing too. So that's definitely a team favorite and a personal favorite. <laughs> I was going to say you had to get crawfish in there somewhere, right? Yeah. That's, the, that's <laughs> like the the cuisine that is known down there. Yeah, it's awesome. 
Our biggest surprise moving from the Northeast to New Orleans. Yeah. So aside from the culture, you would think that I would have been a little more prepared for the weather. Like I knew it was going to be really warm, but the humidity is like off the hook. We moved in in August and it's like you stand outside for two minutes and you're already sweating through your shirt. I was like, what is going on? Um, but was, what was also really interesting to me is up here in the north, you know, if it rains, it's a good thing because then afterwards, you know, the temperature will drop. It'll be a little cooler. If it rains in New Orleans, it's getting more humid and it's even hotter outside. So the weather is definitely something that was a big adjustment. But, you know, playing an outdoor sport has been amazing to have warm weather all year round. So I can't complain. <laughs> well, that definitely helps in beach volleyball. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you grew up in Long Island and yeah. that's not necessarily known as like the beach volleyball hub or or Mecca. Right. Yeah. Um, and then you end up in the South playing beach volleyball in college. So how tell me how that transition, how did that happen? Yeah. So, I mean, I would say volleyball in general in the Northeast kind of like struggles and fails in comparison to like your Texas, your California, your Florida. So I always was really into volleyball. I played indoor all throughout, you know, middle school and high school. And my mom actually really got me into beach volleyball because we have some beaches on the South shore of Long Island over here. So over the summer, it's pretty big. And she still plays all the time. Like she'll go out there with her friends and play at such a high level. So she'd always bring me along and I was like, okay, this is fun. And then I'd go right back to indoor volleyball for my club team. But then junior year, I actually decided, I was like, you know what? I really like this. I could see myself having a future in this. So my mom was like pushing me to try out for an all year round team, which was actually out of New Jersey. So I tried out and then junior year, I switched full time. So in the winter, we would practice in an indoor facility, like kind of on the Jersey shore. So it was a bit of commu of a commute for me. It was like two and a half hours to Ooh. drive there. Yeah. But I would get some good practice in. The training was awesome. So I was able to do that full year round, all thanks to, you know, my mom and my family for, you know, driving me all over. But yeah. um, so I switched into that and then I really liked that and it kind of just took off. So I'm assuming that's indoor beach volleyball, right? Like yeah. So it was like an indoor facility where they had uh, like six courts, um, beach courts. Yeah. So there's no wind, no sun, but it's kind of like being on the beach just inside. <laughs> Perfect conditions. Yeah. <laughs> when you transitioned, what is the biggest, you know, I mean, cause you're playing team six, six girls out there to then two girls out there. Mm -hmm. What is the biggest difference in, in the two? Yeah. So I get this a lot. People are always like, oh, so beach volleyball, what is it? Just like sixes on the sand? But it's obviously not. It's twos. If you've ever watched the Olympics, I know we were talking about that before. So it's twos. So that kind of means you have to do everything. So indoor, I was a setter and I was, you know, really, I was pretty good at setting, you know, I could set the ball wherever, but then it's not, if you would have put me on the outside, I probably wouldn't have been able to, you know, detonate these balls. Or if you would have put me a libero, I wouldn't have been able to play such great defense. So the biggest challenge for beach is like having to be able to do all things. So you're passing the ball and then you have to set your partner. And then you also have to go up and be able to hit and side out and serve. So you're doing everything. So that was kind of like the biggest challenge transitioning, but that's also what I feel like makes it so fun. Absolutely. I would think conditioning would be harder too, right? Because you're moving around in that sand. Yeah. You know, I, I just, being on the beach for a week you know, <laughs> with hanging out with my family and, and kids, you know, my calves are, are already tight <laughs> from that. I can't even imagine yeah. having to train in that sand. 
Yeah, you definitely get used to it, but it, it is hard at first, for sure. <laughs> now, how did you end up from New York at Tulane? Yeah, that's a good question. I honestly have to say this one was by the grace of God. Like, I had a long list of schools I was interested in. And for me, the main criteria was like a good academic school. You know, I wanted to play my sport in college. That was like such an amazing opportunity that I had to be able to play at such a high level. But, you know, I wanted to go to a school that I knew my degree was going to have like some kind of impact after I graduated. So I was looking at a lot of really good academic schools um, and Tulane kind of just fit all my boxes. I went to a campus tour and I fell in love with the school. I remember saying to my mom afterwards, like, even if I can't play here or like it doesn't work out, I want to go to this school. Like I loved it so much. So it worked out really well with the coach, the team, the environment. Um, And obviously it was down south, which was something new. I was really excited to be able to be in a new environment. So it worked out perfect, and I really, really am very happy with the where I ended up. Very cool. So we we moved down to Tulane, and now is this when is NIL live at this point? So when I went and came and visited, it was good. It was back in my junior year, so I don't think NIL had been live at that point. So yeah, I had made my decision independent of even knowing that NIL would be a thing. Okay. So if you were to go back now and knowing that, you know, NIL is out there, right? Um, knowing that, obviously, I mean, you, you're pre-med, I mean, you're, you're going to be uh, a physician, right? So that was already kind of, it sounds like planted in your, uh, in your head. Um, how would NIL factor in or would NIL factor into the decision-making process? Um, I would actually say no. I know like with the emergence of NIL, it's like another factor that student athletes are kind of having to consider in the already daunting college process. But I feel like for me, and I would advise this to all other younger athletes who are looking at schools, it's super important to choose your college without prioritizing NIL because are there schools that have better promotion of athletes and, you know, a better community to facilitate NIL? Of course, But at the end of the day, it comes down to you as your athlete and your performance. You know, you're still going to want to have to be, you're still going to play for the coach that you're playing for. You know, just because you have NIL deals doesn't mean that you're doing a one-on-one sport now. You know, you still have to rally for your team. You have to want to support that university and represent that university. And it comes down to how you play at the end of the day. So I feel like if you're just choosing a school because you're like, oh, I can get some great NIL deals out of this because, you know, it's whatever in this great conference or has, you know, all these people who are getting, you know, all this attention um, at the end of the day, like, yeah, you'll have some extra money. But is that the experience that you really want? You know, make sure that you're choosing in college for the school itself. Yeah. And what, could it, what it can set you up for exactly. down the road, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So NIL goes live you know, July 1st of, of 21, you're, and you move into the dorms, then it sounds like a month or two, a couple months later, mm-hmm. what were your initial thoughts on NIL and has that evolved in, in over the years? And if so, how? We want to thank our sponsor, Success Beyond Game Day. For many athletes, the last safe place was the locker room. They could be themselves and not be judged. Success Beyond Game Day creates a locker room community for athlete development, partnering with individual athletes, high schools, athletic departments, college and pro teams on building their brands, understanding name, image, and likeness, how to get deals, 
and personal finance, all while leveraging a proprietary assessment that identifies core skills that athletes can leverage to create a competitive advantage, all while creating an environment where athletes can connect to push each other to greatness. Check it out at www.successbeyondgameday.com. Yeah. So playing beach volleyball, obviously it's like under-recognized. We don't bring in as much revenue to, you know, any university that it's at. So I saw that there was this opportunity for NIL and it was kind of new. I wasn't really sure what it was, as did many other people. And I was like, okay, you know, that's great. You know, huge athletes now. I was thinking like, oh, Trevor Lawrence with Clemson, how he'd made, Clemson had made millions of dollars off of his jersey sales and he wasn't receiving any of it. I was like, great, that'll be great that huge athletes like that will now be able to receive some profit off of that. But like, what does that have to do with me? You know, like, I'm not going to get big partnerships from that. So my mom was actually kind of like, oh, this whole NIL thing, you should reach out to some schools. I was like, or some brands. I was like, okay. You know, I, I sent out a few emails. So I was like, Oakley, that would be amazing to partner with Oakley, you know, and they were like, sorry, we're already full. I was like, okay. Um, so I actually ended up getting involved with like an NIL partnership um, like that fall. And I didn't even realize that it like was an NIL partnership because I figured like, oh, NIL was only like these huge brands. I'm, I'm wearing your thing or I'm wearing your sunglasses. Now I'll take a picture and you're going to pay me for whatever it is. And I was like, okay, you know, I don't have such a huge following. That's not necessarily at my alley. So um, instead it was kind of just like, oh, I got involved in like this ambassador program. So I was representing like a local acai bowl cafe on campus and I was promoting their products on my stories and being like, yeah, you should come like come eat here with your meal box and stuff. So that was kind of like me first getting into NIL and not even knowing so now me being much more well-versed about it and having attended the NIL summit and knowing what I do know now, it's like completely changed my outlook. You know, it doesn't have to be huge brands that you're partnering with, but just like being able to actively pursue that, the opportunities, no matter what the level they are, like if they're local businesses, um, you know, finding partnerships is something that is kind of for everybody. And it's not necessarily just like the Trevor Lawrence's at Clemson. <laughs> well, absolutely. And that, and that was, it goes back to your advice on, you know, if you're choosing a school now, you don't necessarily need to make NIL a huge focal point, right? Like don't make your decision based on NIL because there's going to be opportunities uh, regardless of your sport, regardless of the town, the, where the school's located, all that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. Once you kind of wrap your arms around what NIL really is and what the possibilities are, then, um, you know, you, you may not get, you know, we, you bring up Trevor Lawrence, you may not get the Clemson, you know, branding center and, yeah. and all that sort of stuff, but there's only really one university that has that anyway. So yeah. unless you're going there, you're not going <laughs> to, you know, that's not even an option, but you're going to have, uh, possibilities. It's going to be out there. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So we've spoken, so this is a big one for me, right? Because, Personally, I'm watching uh, women's sports more now than I had been in it. And I would say it is because of NIL. And now, granted, I'm in the industry, but you you see the athletes being promoted and you go and check out their games, right? And, yeah. And we've spoken to, um, you know, some athletic departments and the, the athletic departments that we work with. And they've, they've seen a uptick in attendance, fan attendance from, you know, you always have to you know, clarify the pre-pandemic uh, numbers, right? 
Yeah. Um, have you seen or noticed an increase or an increased interest in beach volleyball or any of the other non-revenue sports at Tulane? Yeah, definitely. I feel like in beach volleyball in general, you know, being able to have the NIL has opened so many doors just because now student athletes are more interested in promoting themselves and their brand. And obviously, if you're playing beach volleyball, that's a huge part of your brand and who you are and what you represent. So I feel like student athletes are kind of being, especially female student athletes, it's kind of like opening opportunities for us. It's not necessarily like, oh, we don't play a revenue sport, so it's not worth it for us to put, you know, our lives and what we're doing out onto the internet and social media. But realistically, like people like to see oh my gosh you're playing beach volleyball that's so cool you know it's like a cool aspect like a cool different angle that people don't necessarily always get to see so I feel like with NIL um, it's it's been definitely a driving force in like the social media aspect of everything and seeing a lot of non-revenue athletes and you know my fellow beach volleyball players um, representing themselves like on these social media platforms so allowing people to see who we truly are you know like if you see um, if you see like a performance of an athlete on, you know, that during the NCAA championships, if you're flipping the channels and it's like, oh, beach volleyball and you're like, oh, my gosh, this girl's so good. The first thing you're going to do is go look for their social medias and their Instagram. And then having like a presence in that regard allows people to be like, oh, my gosh, this is so cool, more relatable and see that we're more than just athletes, even if we're playing non-revenue sports. So being able to become more relatable on that um, aspect, you know, whether it's on TikTok or Instagram or any of the content that we're putting out, it's it's kind of like now our partnerships and stuff can be a little more meaningful because they're promoting our beliefs and like having a more meaningful influence on others instead of just, oh, you know, I'm just a small school, small sport athlete. Like, no, I'm putting in the same amount of work as all these other, you know, like revenue sports. It's just that my sport is a little different. So it's something different to see, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So you talked about attending the NIL Summit in Atlanta, right? What were some of the biggest takeaways from your time there? Yeah. Well, the NIL Summit was honestly an amazing experience. You know, I said I was like kind of involved with NIL beforehand, but like, again, it's such a tricky, like it's like a slippery slope. You kind of never really know, you know, I don't want to be wasting my time doing things if I feel like it's not going to be benefiting me. Right. So a yeah, lot of you don't have a whole lot of time to begin with. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. So a lot of student athletes get deterred from that. But really going to the NIL Summit, it was amazing to just be able to one, see like the community of other student athletes and what they were doing, like seeing, you know, non-revenue athletes and like even huge revenue athletes all putting in the same amount of work, you know, working to create their content, build their brand, you know, represent themselves in a way that would put them in a best position to get these brand deals. Um, So that was really amazing just being able to interact with them and ask like about their experiences so far. But regarding like the panelists, there was like amazing people um, talking. We had like, I remember there was a Lululemon, um, you know, panelist and there was an activity about finding your core values. And I remember sitting there and they were taking us through this whole thing about, oh, you know, explain your your ideal day to like the stranger sitting next to you. So we're going through our ideal day in 30 seconds. And then they're like, okay, now you're going to have to choose from that day um, all these core values that represent you. And then, you know, they went through this whole thing about like eliminating all these core values. So we were left with three at the end of the day. And it was like, okay, this is really cool because now I know 
these three things are kind of what fuel my fire, you know, what get me going. And then like having a different perspective of that, you could be like, okay, now what brands are going to be able to represent that? Like, where should I look to, you know, build my own brand that kind of showcases those things? So like for me, it was community, determination and gratitude. So kind of being like, okay, you know, now I'm like reaching out to brands that have like more of a community, being able to work with partners in New Orleans that are like community organizations um, where it's like centered around that. So I feel like being able to kind of find what you align with that was really, really helpful. And then like not trying to do everything, you know, I feel like as student athletes were like, okay, you know, I could show a day in my life of me doing this and this and this and all this stuff, but like figuring out like, this is what I'm really good at. This is what I'm really focusing in on. I don't need to be showing everybody that I'm doing everything, but instead I could be like, oh, I'm really focused on nutrition. Like this is what I'm eating or this is why these supplements or whatever I'm taking has really helped me get my game to the next level. So there was like really great input from all the different panelists and stuff. Um, and just seeing, like I said, everybody else, what they were doing and how persistent they were being in it. It was kind of like an inspiration, you know, okay, if they're doing it, why can't I do it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Well, that's great. The core value thing, right? Because yeah. I think a lot of athletes struggle to figure out, all right, what type of content am I going to produce? And if you break it down to, uh, that that simplistic, you know, these are my three core values. How can I build my content and make connections with brands that also represent this? It kind of gives you a, a a path, right, to to go down because you're going to be able to create create consistent content on stuff that's really important to you, right? It's not going to be a stretch, or you're not going to have to think too hard about it. Yeah, and that definitely was like the hardest thing. Um, with social media is really just trying to figure out, okay, you know, I'm in this unique position. I'm playing a division one sport or like any sport in college, really. You know, this is like how my normal day is. It's not the typical day for any other college student. So how can I showcase it or what exactly about me is like something that's unique that people will want to see that will get a certain audience? Because then once you have that certain content geared towards that, then you could really reach out to brands and be like, look, this is what I'm doing. This is how I can implement your brand or your partnership into the content I'm already making um, and then be able to have success for the two of us in that regard. So that was definitely something that I was like, okay, you know, this is kind of the first step, you know, in the, <laughs> in the journey. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I mean, the core value piece comes down to authenticity, right? And mm -hmm. Clearly, it sounds like with now being active in NIL, you are on social media more than you were prior, correct? Yeah, definitely. So, so we have, you know, high school athletes and other female athletes out there that are, you know, we hear about the dangers of social media and how do you be authentic? And so, so what type of advice would you give to you know, other college and high school athletes as they start to get more involved in social media, um, knowing that there's that, you know, you, you've got haters out there and, yeah. and, and that sort of thing. And to how, how do they deal with it? You know, what's your advice? Yeah. So actually some good advice I got at the summit. Um, somebody asked a question to the the student athlete panelists, somebody, you know, who had like a great following and was like constantly putting out good content. Um, and they were successful with their NIL. And somebody asked, how do you find like that boundary between 
um, you know, producing content and constantly, you know, getting that going so you can get your brand going and have like a, a following, but then also not necessarily spending way too much time on social media and making that become your like number one priority and get like entrenched in scrolling through TikTok all day trying to find new content to post. And, um, you know, the bottom line was like, the content you're producing and the time that you're putting into social media doesn't have to be like something that's, oh, this daunting task, you know, you should be producing content that's something that's about something that you love. So you like at the end of the day, if you're producing content about, you know, oh, this is my, you know, my specific workout routine or whatever, like it's because you're already doing it and you already love it. So it's not, it shouldn't be necessarily like, oh my gosh, I'm trying to like force this force these videos about whatever if it's not necessarily you like you want it to be authentic and then if you're creating authentic content that you love it shouldn't be so much of like this is so horrible I can't believe I have to do this it's something like I'm so lucky that I'd be able to that I'm able to like showcase this with my following because I'm already doing it I already love creating these videos you know and so I feel like definitely not being so obsessed with it and it's easy to fall into the rabbit hole about oh I don't have enough followers or if I'm not producing what this person's producing I'm not going to get any following because of it but each person's unique you know everybody has their own story and their own content to to produce and so I feel like really not comparing yourself to other people is definitely something helpful and along in the process yeah that's a big one the the you know and that's hard for you know, especially high school age and getting into college is that, you know, you, you look next to you and and you think, well, that person's got it all put together, especially in social media. There's that, you know, box that yeah. we think is that perfect box that we wish we could fit into. But, you know, when we get a look inside the box, we realize nobody actually fits in that box. So it's yeah. um so so that's a good one um to just, you know, and then not take it too seriously, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, I mean, you're very clearly, you're confident in yourself. And I think the more confident you are, the less, uh, in who you are. Right. And some of that is getting to your core values and, and that sort of thing. And what's really important to you, the less that outside noise probably impacts, um, you probably don't listen to it. Right. Because you're confident in who you are. Yeah, exactly. So tell us about some of the deals that you've gotten and and stuff you're working on and who you're looking to work with. Yeah. So kind of like I said before, like the deal I had with the local acai bowl place, that was really awesome. Being able to promote for something that was on campus to like, you know, my fellow Tulane people, Tulane student athletes and like non-student athletes as well. So that was really cool. Um, I was part of like the Honey Stinger Ambassador Program. So like small ambassador programs like that, where it's like the content you promote kind of gets you, you know, more rankings within the thing. And then you could get free products and stuff like that. Um, I'm working on some partnerships with some more local places down in New Orleans. So like a local jewelry place that I have like some cute earrings from. I'm hoping that we can make a deal happen with them. But um, like overall, I'm kind of just looking for, you know, looking for brands that align with what I'm interested in. So, you know, that's kind of like a wide array. So just reaching out, sending some feelers. And I know especially when it comes to like the local businesses, like I had mentioned, 
a lot of them are also not really into NIL either because they're small businesses. So they're, they don't necessarily have the funds to be hiring, you know, staff to look for ambassadors and stuff like that. So especially with my knowledge, it makes it a little easier when I reach out to local places to be like, Hey, this is, you know, I'm interested in some NIL. And then they're always like, what's that? (laughs) And I'm like, well, this is, you know, what I've done with in the past, or this is how I've seen successful NIL partnerships work out. So maybe we could do something along these lines even if it's just like you send me some products uh you don't need to be paying me you know like these huge sums of money if that's obviously something that a local business can't afford so having that knowledge really makes it easier to kind of um make these deals because you're like this is what i've done in the past or this is what i think could work um let me know what you're thinking so yeah like how i can how you can add value to them yeah exactly exactly Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, we've seen that with a lot of local businesses, right? Now, Mm -hmm. I always say we're not agents, but we did dabble in helping some small businesses understand how they could leverage NIL just as a, um, you know, we we had a hypothesis that all businesses could could benefit from it if they truly understood what it was. And I I think, Cheney, I believe the number is like 42 for 42. Like we're we're batting 100% on this thing, which Last time I checked, I'm not a math major, but that's good. It's a good average to have. That's pretty good. Um, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> uh, but once they understand it and how to put it into their business, uh, then they get a ROI that they can't get through other sorts of of marketing. And yeah. uh, so it's been from the businesses that we've seen, it's it's huge. But what I hear is you're taking that proactive step of reaching out, right? And that's. Yeah. And that's a big piece of this. It's it's reaching out. And if you want to participate in it, not just sitting on the sidelines, it's getting out there and, and uh, making the effort to build those relationships. Yeah, definitely. It's not something like, especially like going back to just, you know, as a non-revenue athlete, you know, playing beach volleyball, it's not like my, you know, my image is like all over the streets of New Orleans. Like people aren't going to know who I am. I kind of have to reach out to them. And then once they see, oh my gosh, this is so cool. You're a student athlete. Like I'm connected to all the other student athletes at Tulane and like all other local student athletes that I play against. So like the people that follow me and the people that are looking at my stuff are could be like a great audience for the local businesses, you know? Yeah. And we've found too, that it's not, it's not necessarily, you don't need a hundred thousand or 200,000 followers. You could have 5,000 followers that are engaged with what you're putting out there. And a business would, would prefer that over that, you know, the hundred thousand followers with really low engagement. Yeah. All right. So I've got a question for you. And this is an athlete development question. Mm-hmm. So athlete development, I I kind of stuff in here, personal finance, leadership, brand building, NIL, you know, all of that type of stuff. What do you wish that there was more of from an education standpoint at the college level? Yeah. So I feel like a lot of times as student athletes, we're kind of like pushed through the process. You know, you're pushed through the college process. You don't have to really necessarily go through the hard, tedious college applications because you've already decided what school you're going to go to. So it's like, okay, you know, I could just write three sentences for this. You know, some student athletes don't even have to take standardized testing to get in. So I feel like 
it's very important for student athletes while they're in college and we have all these amazing resources. Like I know at Tulane, they do a great job with like student athlete development and they're always offering, you know, workshops and people that you can reach out to to build your resume and career development. I feel like taking advantage of that is definitely something that can you know, move student athletes to the next level beyond their sport. Because realistically, yeah, you're going to have like the small fraction of student athletes that are going to play their sport at the higher level as their career. But I think a lot of student athletes don't necessarily focus on what's next until it's there. And then they're like, oh my goodness, what do I do now? So I think um, really focusing on who you are outside of your sport the ability to communicate effectively with brands is something that has helped me a lot. You know, like like being able to promote myself and knowing who I am, this is how I can benefit your brand. Um, is just like same thing with an employer. You know, like why would I be good for your company? Why do you want to choose me over all these other people that you have? So being able to communicate effectively and like promote yourself, um, I think are some skills that a lot of athletes don't necessarily focus on until, like I said, they're like, in the job world and they're like, well, my, you know, my resume contains me being a student athlete. Uh, I got some good time management skills, which is obviously something, you know, that's super unique to being a college athlete, but you need to kind of be able to like represent yourself in those interviews. Like why did being a student athlete really going to help you um, at this next level in my, in my job? So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I would agree with all that. We, we see it all the time too, is you graduate and now it's time to, you know, learn all those skills when, yeah. and, and we're, you know, beating our head against the wall and we're saying, no, you should have been doing this as a freshman. Like, you know, and it's difficult because you have sports, you have class, especially uh, cell and molecular biology, pre-med, and, and then throwing a little is. bit of Spanish on top. Um, <laughs> you've got all that going on, plus your sport, plus you still have to have a social life and, mm-hmm. uh, especially in, in New Orleans, right. Where it's, it's a social city. Um, you've got all that stuff going on, but it's, it's so important to, you know, to carve out a small uh, bit of time starting at, you know, as a freshman to start planning for that life after athletics. Yeah. Samantha, this was awesome. I cannot wait to actually watch now Tulane beach volleyball. I I will be watching from Charlotte here. Uh, (laughs) Thank you for spending some time with us. How can people find you and get a hold of you? Yeah, um, definitely reaching out to me on Instagram. Um, my Instagram is Samantha with two A's at the end dot green. I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. Um, my email, I'm very accessible by email. You know, any other social platform that I'm on, usually like direct messaging me. I'll I'll see it and I'll answer. Even like LinkedIn, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Nice. Businesses that are listening, I mean, we've got a winner here. So you gotta you gotta reach out for sure. thank you for joining us on nil undressed as always every like subscribe and share is greatly appreciated 